Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. We've got a new stimulus bill. <laughs> Sucks. Japan, though, they've got the right idea on grocery shopping. And finally, well, just hold around for the last block. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right.
we've got a new stimulus bill. Except it's not, it's not going to be enough. Allow me to backtrack just a little bit. Everybody remembers the president who was president before Donald Trump, right? You remember, his name was Barack Obama. And you and I couldn't stand him for the most part. He was a hardcore leftist, probably the most left president we've had in a long, long time. And one of the big, big problems we had with Barack Obama was the spending. He got into office and we were going through that recession and he was just chucking money at everything. Just here, you have a hundred and you have it a hundred. Everybody have a hundred. Just, just make it rain up in this place. And we were looking at the deficit saying, uh, this isn't going to work. This is not going to work at all. Barack Obama, you remember what we all said. This man has added more money to the debt than every other president combined. And it was true, right? Obama finally left and we thought to ourselves, whew, thank goodness we dodged that bullet. We could not have done that for much longer. Did you hear he was running $1 trillion deficits? That's bad, right? <clears throat> yeah, the CBO, that's the Congressional Budget Office, they just estimated that our deficit is going to be $3.7 trillion this year. Ladies and gentlemen, there are several different things you can do as far as currency manipulation goes. And you got all these super smart geniuses and we'll just move a little money around here and take a little loan from here and we'll, we'll do this and we'll do that. We'll just, just shift some money around, right? It's no big deal. Except here's the problem. No different than gravity. There are laws in economics. There are laws, not theories, laws. One of those laws happens to be when you print currency that isn't backed, and really none of our currency is backed anymore, but when you print currency that isn't backed, that means you don't have any, you know, there's not a, there's not a block of gold sitting behind that dollar bill that's worth a dollar. You just walked over to the printing press and said, beep, and you printed off a dollar. Well, you didn't print any actual value there, right? You printed off the piece of paper. When you print currency that is not backed, you devalue it. Now, sometimes, again, remember these smart people, they figure out a way to shift the responsibility of that value. They didn't eliminate the fact you need value to it. They just chose to kick it down the, can kick it down the road a little bit. Wow, it's not a big deal, right? Until it is a big deal. Have you ever Googled, or whatever your preferred search engine is, Weimar Germany? Do yourself a favor. While you're watching the show, pull up your little smartphone and look up Weimar currency or Weimar dollars or Weimar money. Do a little image search while you watch me. What are you looking at right now? Let me tell you what you're looking at right now. You're looking at ladies starting fires with piles of dollar bills. You're looking at people walking around with wheel wheelbarrows full of dollar bills. They stack them up like Monopoly money on the ground. How did that happen? Well, it's funny you should ask. They printed a bunch of unbacked currency. Germany had a bunch of debts from World War I they couldn't pay off. They walked over to the printing press and just said, we got this covered, print. Hyperinflation. Venezuela, you can see pictures of it right now. There's pictures of the streets of dollar bills just lining the curb, laying around. Ladies and gentlemen, I understand it's not sexy. I understand it's not fun to talk about. It's not a shiny new virus. It's not even a lost job, which you've heard me talk about all the time, these people who are being wiped out. Currency 
devaluation, especially rapid currency devaluation, creates devastation that you cannot imagine, creates starvation. Forget about a virus. Forget about, you know, I can't afford this, this important medical treatment. You can't afford your next meal and you starve to death. We have people in Venezuela burying their children. That's not trying to scare you. That's what happens. And that's where we're going. We cannot. I don't care who says you can. I don't care if Trump says it, Pence says it, Mnuchin says it. I don't care if the Democrats say it, Republicans say it, left, right. It doesn't matter to me. Whoever tells you that you can print money to get your way out of a financial problem is an idiot. You cannot do it. We are creating more problems than we're solving. How am I supposed to sit over here and celebrate, oh, sweet, another $500 billion. And you know what's amazing? And this is genuinely what's amazing. I saw it was $500 billion, and my first instinct was, man, that's actually not that bad. That's how brainwashed even I am. The last one was $2 trillion, and we hardly even batted an eye. People, this movie ends. You know that, right? This movie does end. You cannot pile up debt endlessly. That's not how it works. It has never happened in the history of mankind, and it will not happen now. Empires, Rome, Germany, several throughout history have fallen by ruining the value of their currency. We are currently, every single dollar we spend, we are ruining the value of our currency. Businesses, small businesses, employers, like you and I, um, I don't need another government check. I need to go back to work. I don't need a government loan that my great-great-grandkids will have to pay for, that somebody's going to starve to death one day for. I need you to let me open up my business. I need you to let me wake up in the morning and put on my jeans and go back to work. We need to go back to work. Stop passing these absurd, idiotic bills and let us go back to work. Here's Vice President Pence. I join the president in welcoming passage in the House today of the Paycheck Protection Program. It'll support working families, allow small businesses to keep people on the payroll for a period of two months. But it also, as the president uh, requested, included $75 billion to assist hospitals across the country. And in that spirit, um, the president and I will continue to urge states across the country, given the unique burden on hospitals, uh, we are now encouraging states to restart elective surgeries wherever possible, either statewide or on a county-by-county -county basis. Uh, we, we recognize the role elective surgeries play in finances for local hospitals, and we'll be working with states to enable. Hmm. Oh, elective hospitals or elective, elective care. I'm getting, glad he brought that up. Hospitals, dentists, pediatricians, doctor's office. I am going to say something that's going to be shocking to you, but these businesses run on a profit. These are not charities in general. They're not charities, although some charities do exist. They're not, you know, they don't run on clouds. They don't run on some magic fairy dust that's sprinkled on them. They, at the end of every month, like every other business, have to pull up a profit loss sheet and they have to make more money than they lost. That's the way it works. Have you driven by your dentist office recently? Your pediatrician? Your doctor? 
even the ones who are now starting to open back up, nobody's going. Why aren't they going? They're scared to death. Why are they scared to death? You're looking at it. You just saw it. We have not just Democrats. Don't do that. As much as I love crushing Democrats, don't do that because that's not true. Democrats and Republicans from the very tippy top have spent two months now telling the American people they will die if they leave their house. And now, even if you were to step up to the mic and say, all right, we are open for business. Come on down. Who's going to go? Yes, some. Not enough. Just heard from a doctor today, family doctor. They actually got to open back up. He said, Jesse, I swear I might as well stay closed. Nobody's making appointments. Nobody's coming. People, we have crushed ourselves. You need to let your president, your governor, your congressman, your senator know we have crushed ourselves and you need them to be a loud voice for reversing course. $3.7 trillion deficit? If Barack Obama had rung up a $3.7 trillion deficit, you'd have been having a tea party with burning torches on the White House lawn. Start letting the people know, even the ones you love. Nancy Pelosi's thrilled, though, because this will help minority business owners. Two weeks ago, it was proposed on a Thursday on the floor of the Senate that we would have legislation that led to 250. That was it. Nothing else. And that's it. For a week and a half, that was the position of the administration and the Republicans in the Senate until this past weekend when finally they saw the light that we could do much more for our small businesses. So $60 billion in a set aside for, shall we say, the underbanked, the women, minorities, veterans, Native Americans, rural folks, people who didn't have big banking relationships but had big credit needs. Another $60 billion in loans and grants for small businesses, all of small businesses. And then $100 billion, $100 billion for hospitals and testing. Quite a remarkable feat. So we have 250 and 220, 470. Oh, yeah, it is quite a remarkable feat. That's one thing I agreed with, she said there. <laughs> Let me tell you what, people. If we contract the United States economy by 10%, and let's be honest, it looks like we're heading there quickly. We're at 16% unemployment right now. Keep in mind, unemployment in the Great Depression didn't reach 10% until the second year. If we contract the U.S. economy by 10%, you're going to be praying you got coronavirus. Oh, but wait, we're not finished. There's more. See, it sounded like an infomercial right there. I predicted this because it was the easiest thing in the world to predict. States, locals, they can't print money like the feds can, even though the feds shouldn't be doing it anyway. That means they're going to have to look at that budget and they're going to have to cut. And sure enough, states and local governments who have done more than their own part to destroy their own government, to destroy their own budgets, are now looking at these massive budget shortfalls because they make their money on tax revenue. And when you slaughter your own economy, there is no tax revenue. And they're saying, ah, for the first time in history, I might have to cut some money. Federal government help. 
federal government help. Well, by the grace of God, at least for now, I don't have a lot of faith that this is going to last. Mitch McConnell says, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not going to start bailing out state pensions. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be a broad discussion without, you know, throughout the conference. I mean, we all represent states. We all have governors, regardless of party, who would love to have free money. And I, that's why I said yesterday we're going to push the pause button here because I think this whole business of additional assistance for state and local governments needs to be thoroughly evaluated. You raised yourself the important issue of what states have done, many of them have done to themselves with their pension programs. Uh, there's not going to be any desire on the Republican side to bail out state pensions by borrowing money from future generations. So this is a much bigger conversation than we've had uh, providing assistance for small business because the government shut them out, put them down, put them out of business, or assistance to hospitals, which are overwhelmed by the COVID-19 disease. This is a very different decision. Uh, These are all taxing authorities, just like we are, and I think that's why we need to have a, a fulsome, uh, conference-wide discussion among Senate Republicans before we go down this path. You know how much I love predictions? Because, let's be honest, the name of the show is I'm Right because I generally am. You heard him say, you know, there's no appetite amongst Republican senators to, to bail out state pensions. Allow me to make a prediction right now. Mr. Producers, go ahead and bookmark this. Go ahead and record this one, please. Thank you very much. Within four, five, six months from now, Republican senators, Republican senators are going to cast votes to bail out state pensions. Want to bet? You don't want to take that bet. Remember how mad I was about Donald Trump standing up at his press conference and knifing in the back the governor of Georgia who realized how desperate his own citizens are to feed their families, so he said, we're going to start slowly opening up. Trump stands up, blasts him at the press conference. Guess it wasn't a one-off. Trump went to Twitter. Quote, I, or the vice president, never gave Governor Brian Kemp an okay. He doesn't need your okay. He doesn't work for you. On those few businesses outside of the guidelines, fake news. Spas, beauty salons, tattoo parlors, and barbershops should take a little slower path. But I told the governor to do what is right for the great people of Georgia. Well, at least you got his back. Washington Times has another little headline on the fallout of all this. You didn't think about this, did you? I did. I put it up on social media a little less than a month ago. Quote, Pandemic threatens to permanently shutter churches as donations dry up. That's right. You see, churches do not exist only by, you know, fairy dust. They exist on people tithing, on people showing up to church and giving their money. Now, yes, they're still getting some tithing in because people are doing church online, but lots of these churches operate on tight budgets. Lots of people aren't giving their money. Lots of people aren't tithing because they don't have any money to tithe from. The far-reaching, endless devastation and consequences we are going to have in the United States of America from shutting down our own economy. Remember, we did this. Don't tell me pandemic. Other nations have gone forward battling this pandemic without shutting down. So don't you dare ever tell me, oh, we had no other choice. Oh, we had a choice. We made a choice. We made the choice to wreck our own economy. 
The far-reaching consequences for this are going to be felt for generations. Idiocy. All right. We got a lot of great show left for you. We even have a hilarious video for you, I promise. We'll lighten it up just a little bit. Now, if you are worried about coronavirus, and that's totally legitimate, it's a nasty bug, it's killing people. We're over 50,000 dead. You know there's not a vaccine. You know there's not a cure. But there is something you can do to protect yourself and your family. It's called Omega XL. Now, it's not a drug. I don't like drugs. This is an all-natural supplement. It's an anti-inflammatory supplement that will boost your own immune system. Picture this as a daily workout for your immune system. So on the day that you face a deadly illness, and I hope that day never comes, you can be ready. Stop fretting about it. Stop hiding under your bed. Stop stressing out at night. Start taking Omega XL now and stop all this worrying nonsense. And if you go to OmegaXL.com slash Jesse, you actually get a free second bottle with your first order. That's OmegaXL.com slash Jesse. Joining me now is Drew Berkwist, host of This Is My Show with Drew Berkwist. Drew, you're saved. Congress this bill. I actually think this is a great idea. I've thought this through for a while. Yes, we've completely slaughtered our $20 trillion economy, but Congress can just pass bills and hand out the money. So I actually think they should just keep doing these. And instead of the, you know, $2 trillion, why are we messing around with this? Let's pass a $100 trillion bill, and then everyone can go home for five years and we'll be safe from a virus. Why won't this work? Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's kind of like AOC's plan, right? She, she thinks people shouldn't go back to work. Just keep, just keep passing out money and doing nothing. It falls right in line with, with the future president of, of America. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But here's the, here's the one thing. They're actually all there doing their job and, and agreeing on something for once. So there's, there's kind of some, some positives, I guess, with that. Um, but it is. It's getting pretty crazy. It's getting extremely crazy. Uh, Drew, as you know, this is not often the case. But when it is, I speak up about it. A lot of this is on President Trump, man. I mean, people can agree, people can disagree with what he did, but there is no debate about it. When you look at 30 million people unemployed, about to be 35 next week, Donald Trump supports these lockdowns. And a Republican governor of Georgia stepped up and said, hey, my people are hurting. We're going to start opening up some spas and hair salons and getting us back to work. And the president of the United States stood up there in a press conference and slipped a knife between his ribs. If it comes November and there are 30 million people unemployed, Donald Trump can't point fingers. No, I agree. I agree. And that's 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 the one thing that he has been able to rest his laurels on is the strength of the economy, you know, how good the unemployment figures were. Obviously now, you know, he we went from 22 to 20, 22 to 26 and, and we're headed right towards 30. So, you know, if, if things are that bad, it's going to look really bad because that's the one thing he can tout is, look, I'm different. I'm not a traditional politician and the economy and unemployment have rocked under my leadership. When, when you can't say that anymore, all of a sudden, Joe Biden, who doesn't remember that he is Joe Biden, looks a little bit more appealing to some of the people out there uh, because you've kind of lost on some of these promises. So he's got to fix that. And I think he has. He's kind of gone back and forth. I, look, I like the guy. I stand up for him a lot because so many people just pick on him. But 
you know, he's pushed for, we've got to get it open, we've got to get it open. And then the whole thing happened with Brian Kemp in Georgia, and it is kind of contrary to his message. So at some point, something's got to give here. He's got to, he's got to pick his sides. I mean, he's one second he's saying that the NFL is going to open on time. We're going to be having packed stadiums. And then, you know, Georgia opens tattoo parlors and bars, which should always be open because it disinfects. Um, but, you know, those kind of things happen, and all of a sudden it makes him look like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Drew, I'm, gr- I'm glad you brought this up because it's time for Dr. Jesse right now. I have always had this theory. I understand people think I'm crazy, and they cite my general lack of education as one of the reasons I'm incorrect about this. But there have been some, not necessarily studies, but people who say if you drink alcohol, especially, you know, hard alcohol, that it can help prevent you from getting coronavirus, to which I maintain. That has yeah. to be true. What do you disinfect Absolutely. things with? You disinfect things with alcohol. And if I have a little something growing in the back of my throat, bacteria or virus, why would sipping on a little bourbon not kill it on the way down? Tell me where I'm wrong. It will. Um this this studio is is filled with. You've been to one of my studios before. You know there's 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 lots of disinfectant yes. um, <laughs> liquid around. Yes. Um, it, it look it's got to. It just makes all the sense in the world. It, it you know they were talking the other day. One of the things he's in trouble about is talking about rubbing alcohol and disinfectant. Um, but that's what it does. It kills bacteria. So it's got to work. I totally agree. And by the way, it's got to be hard liquor because you drink beer or, or like a light beer. This that and that's not going to do the trick. Go to the stuff that works. 100%. We should be getting 100%, paid for this, uh, this plug. <laughs> we should. We should be getting paid for this plug. All right, now, stepping stepping away from America and butt heavies and all that other stuff, Afghanistan. I don't know if people realize it, but we're still there. What yeah. way do you see all this pandemic? I mean, obviously, we can do, we can do the math on what the debt's going to do, but the pandemic itself, how's this going to affect our troops overseas? We got guys on naval ships. We got guys on bases overseas. I can't even imagine if we had a bad outbreak there. Are they fine? Are they not fine? Well, look, I think, first of all, we have to look at the, the perspective with numbers in general. Like, the numbers in general, if, if you know, the media doesn't want to talk about it, but they're pretty darn good. You know, in terms of you look at the death rate, you look at the recovery rate, they're all, obviously the, the most vulnerable are still uh, the most vulnerable, but they were before this too. So, you know, you, you've got to take that all with in, into perspective as you have any kind of conversation about it. But I think that they're fine. You know, obviously you're, you're crammed into a space more so than what is happening back here in America right now. But look, I, I think that they're, for the most part, young, healthy, and, and you, we, there's a lot of jokes we could go with here, but they're, they're mostly young and, and healthy folks who are out doing God's work. Um, I think the, the bigger issue is, and we've talked about it in your show before, is back home, the folks in D.C. are focusing on the shiny ball that right now is COVID-19, and, and these young men and women aren't getting the support and the attention that they deserve because they are. We've still got folks in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. We've got folks in a lot of other places that people don't know about who are getting no love or no attention, and they should be because they're doing the stuff that actually matters. This, this COVID stuff's going to pass. We're going to be in these other struggles for a long time, and, and there should be more emphasis placed on it. Drew, what do you think about that Navy captain who was bounced off the aircraft carrier? Look, it sounds like it's. It seems for all, for all the the data that's out there, the comments that that he was beloved and his sailors, you know, thought he was a great leader. And I think odds are he probably was. Where, where this is tricky is in the in, and really in a lot of places, not just the military, but particularly in the military. There's a chain of command, and there are rules and procedures on how information is disseminated out 
to the public. So when you've got uh, an individual who doesn't go through that chain of command, doesn't go through the public affairs office, doesn't go through the higher ups to release information, even though you feel like situ the situation is very desperate and calls for it, it's really not your call to make. So I, I go back and forth on this. It seems like he's a good guy. There's talk about you know people calling for him being reinstated. Um, I don't know the answer to it, but I do know this. It seems like people love him. He just made a misstep here and, and operated on emotion and operated on what his gut was telling him to do. In this case, it was wrong and it cost him his job. Drew, are you trying to say if back in the day when I was in the Marine Corps, if I asked my superior for something and they said no, I'm then not allowed to CC about 50 people on an email and blast it out to the world? Are you trying to say that kind of thing is frowned upon? Yeah, I mean, just slightly. I will say this, though. Most of the operations I ever did that had the most impact overseas were declined, and, and I was told no by by particular people above me. But, you know, I did it for America. So I'm, I'm guilty of it. I get where he's coming from. He's trying to do the right thing. But the right thing um, procedurally is not to do what he did, and that's, that's where he's getting bit. Drew Berquist, thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me. We're not done yet. Hang on. As we all know, as you know, I am a bit of a sensitive type, especially when it comes to being PC. I like to try to take things easy. I don't like to offend anybody at all. And I certainly would never say anything that could be twisted around as being misogynistic. So when I saw this headline from the mayor of Osaka, Japan, I was mortified. This was his exact quote. Uh, this is Ichiro Matsui. Quote, Women take a longer time grocery shopping because they browse through different products and weigh out which option is best. Men quickly grab what they're told to buy so they won't linger <laughs> the way they won't linger at the and I lost the rest of it either way you got it they won't they won't linger at the supermarket and avoid close contact with others. Now, let me explain something. He's obviously right. And he's 100% right. And if you say he's not, you're a friggin' liar. You don't have to live in this world where you hide from everybody yelling at you all the time. When I go to the grocery store at any point in time, one, most of the time, I go there for fun. Now, you can say, Jesse, that's kind of a sick thing. It is sick. I realize that. I'm a slave to my stomach. I will stop in the grocery store on the way home tonight from the studio. Do we need anything? Absolutely not. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to cruise up and down the aisles, maybe pick out a new sauce, grab some Bud Heavies, maybe a steak, cruise up the fro frozen food section, see what else I can find in there. I'm going to grab what I want, though, even though I'm just browsing. I'll be in and out in 10 minutes max. Sometimes the wife will say, hey, can you grab some strawberries? To which I do what? I do the same thing all you do, fellas. I go to the strawberry section, and I grab a thing of strawberries, and I walk off. And without fail, every single time I get home and I sit down, whatever it may be, strawberries, zucchini, whatever it may be, she comes up and looks at it and, and starts examining it. Oh, I can't believe you got this batch. Well, what do you mean? That's what you said you wanted. Uh, women, when they grocery shop, they are meticulous about it. I will grant you this. When they grocery shop, sometimes they are picking up some necessities. I guess the paper towels and toilet paper don't miraculously show up in the home. 
But when they go to like the produce section, I don't even walk in the produce section. I barely know where mine is. When they walk in the produce section, it becomes like this half hour long escapade where they stop and they have to e examine each and every grape. And I, I can't just get these carrots. Oh, those bananas are too green. These bananas aren't green enough. It's this endless hand wringing and I'll never understand it as long as I live. This mayor is a hero for standing up and saying what all of us knew. If we want to social distance out there, if that's your thing, it's not my thing, if that's your thing where you want to stay six feet away and you have to be in and out as fast as possible everywhere you go, let's be honest. The men are going to have to lead. The men are going to have to lead from this point forward. So, without further ado, allow me to just say, it's time for grocery stores to be men only. All right, we have more. Hang on. Joining me now to discuss buying groceries, among other things, is the chief creative officer of Turning Point USA and man who desperately needs to smuggle a barber into his home, Benny Johnson. Benny, are, is there no black market popping up in the yeah. D.C. area where you can do something to address this facial hair and whatever is going on up here? Okay, so first off, uh, not everyone is blessed with such a mane as this, <laughs> all right? And if you want to take your aggression out on me and my genetic gifts on air, then fine. But you keep looking like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes uh, with wh whoever cuts your hair, and maybe it's time that you have some little introspection. Okay. You know what? That's actually fair. And besides, mine's retreating towards my ears like the Italian army anyway, so it is what it is. All right, Benny. Uh, this is this is also like 17 weeks of beard growth for me. Very special. No, I see. I, I hear that. I, I actually can't fault you for that. I was the same way back when I was six. Now there's a mayor in Japan right now, and this mayor came out and said the very unPC thing that men are actually superior at buying groceries because they get in and get out, and they should handle the grocery shopping, whereas the women tend to loiter. I agree with him. When I go to the grocery store, I have a purpose. Even if I do get distracted by the Bud Heavies or the frozen pizza section, I still see it, make my selection, and I'm gone. My wife takes an hour to pick out the strawberries. Yes. So while I'm not going to comment on who is superior, there certainly are different patterns, especially <laughs> in my household. Uh, if it were up to me, then we would have chicken nuggets Ooh. and steak yes. and a mix of frozen pizza and cereal every single day for our groceries. And because of my wife, uh, Nurse Kate, we uh, have a full kitchen uh, full of you know fresh vegetables and things like that, rabbit food. Uh, but apparently those kind of things are good for you, although science hasn't proven one way or the other. It's all up in the air right now. Sure. Benny, Joe Biden's poll numbers are good. And I know everybody's going to yell about poll numbers. And yes, poll numbers suck. Trump voters are always going to be underpolled because we live in a shame society. I get that. But I look at Joe Biden and he can't function. He cannot fully function for whatever reason. I, I'm not a doctor. For whatever reason, everybody can see it. I have two eyes. Why is he holding steady? Is it just people are angry? People are scared? What is it? So if you have a candidate like Joe Biden, who is absolutely, the wheels are coming right off. And it's, 
I don't know if it's early onset dementia. I don't know uh, if it's just a crippling uh, lack of IQ, but, uh, and we also found out from Intel reports that Osama bin Laden uh, was trying to take out Obama because he thought Joe Biden would be very, uh, would not be a great president uh, today, th this, this week. I don't know, but if you have a candidate like that, this is quite the blessing because you get to lock him in a basement. Uh, you get to lock Joe Biden right in the basement. You get to give him giant cue cards and you get to do major softball <laughs> interview playtimes with people like Al Gore and Jimmy Kimmel. And they, you know, Joe Biden can just bat the yarn around in his basement and smile for the cameras. And, uh, you know, you don't actually have to have him out on the stump which is a horrifying thing because when you put Joe Biden out on the stump, he says thing, he calls women dog-faced pony soldiers. He says to an overweight man, look fat. Uh, he challenges people to push-up contests <laughs> and he sniffs in a shocking amount of hair. Lucky though for you, Jesse, you don't have a lot of hair to sniff. And so you would not be victim number one for Joe and he probably wouldn't be, he'd have to get a stepladder to, to sniff you. Mm -hmm. All right. You know what? These these kind of petty shots are unnecessary. Benny, I also think this kind of spending is unnecessary. I get people disagree. Most of the people on the right disagree with me. But I'm stunned. I, we have estimates at $3.7 trillion deficits. I, I, I understand that people want the government to do some things. I'm a bit out of the mainstream on that. But, bro, we were at $23 trillion debt before this whole disaster. What are we going to be on the back end? How do we claw our way out of this daggone thing? Right. I think it was a very wise man on Twitter that tweeted earlier today that no country in history has ever spent them their way out of a crisis. Uh, I don't can't remember exactly what handle it was, <laughs> but it's really, really, I mean, smart, wise. He's very handsome too. A philosopher of the internet. It's true though. Uh, you know. So so where does this come from? They're not. This money isn't being borrowed, you know, it's not being borrowed from anywhere, it's being printed. That's how you get trillions of dollars, you print them. And you print them and you just pray to God that the economy kicks back up and that you're able to keep this sucker going. But the issues have been that there have been so many disruptions in our supply chain and in the way that we do commerce. Uh, you're seeing reports coming out that hundreds of thousands of businesses will close that people will refer to online shopping and buying uh, probably permanently now for a ton of our economy. It's just going to be a massive, massive restructure of how we do business. And then if you put any type of inflation on top of that for our currency, it's not going to mean very good things for the American family uh, and for the American worker. So yes, a tenuous situation right now, the biggest fix is going to be depending on the thing that has never failed us, which is capitalism, and putting Americans back to work, allowing Americans to go back to work, and allowing our economy to start humming like a top, like it was all the way up to February of this year. Benny, I don't like to do conspiracy. Actually, I take that back. I love conspiracy theories. I just don't ever believe in them. I love people who actually believe in conspiracy theories. I think they're fantastically entertaining, but I'm not. However... I see these Democrat governors, and obviously there's no debating the fact Donald Trump supports the lockdowns, but the Democrat governors have tripled down on everything that he said. And I look at it, man, and I say to myself, that's somebody purposely trying to tank the economy to bring down Donald Trump in November. Am I wrong? So let's take it 
uh, you know, I don't like the term conspiracy theory. Let's just look at data, right? So that's where you should look. You should always start with the data. So the data says that if you're paddle boarding alone in the ocean, that this isn't going to cause China virus. The data says that if you're alone in your motorboat in Michigan, this isn't going to cause China virus. Nor are you being out at a park with your children where multiple parents have now been arrested for being at a park with their kids, that that's going to spread China virus. None of these things spread China virus. Stop arresting people and penalizing people for doing behavior that probably is helpful in this pandemic. Why would it be helpful? Well, you saw yesterday the data, once again, laboratories that had been set to study this virus said that sunlight, UV rays, hot temperatures on surfaces where the virus is kills it, kills it at an exponentially quicker rate than it gets killed otherwise in dark, damp, cramped, or isolated containment. Where would those places be? Your home. Where does the UV light and sunlight exist? Playgrounds outside, in the ocean, on a playground. So it's fascinating here that we've hit ourselves in the head with a hammer uh, trying to protect ourselves when really we may be propagating this thing by everybody staying indoors. It's not conspiracy theory to just look at the data and to say, well, this is what the scientists say. Everyone's screaming at the left, listen to the scientists. Well, this is what they're saying. Get outside and do it responsibly. 100% agree. Let's hope we can all get back out there motorboating again soon. Benny Johnson with Turning Point USA. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. Good. Yes, good. Make it a shirt. We're, we're not done yet. Thank you. It is time to have a very frank talk here at the end of the show about this governor of Michigan. Joe Biden, the rumors are flying that, this, this, that he has his eyes on this governor. And look, let's be honest, a, a president or a potential president picks his vice president based on the things that he thinks he needs. You see, Barack Obama picked Joe Biden, why? Well, he didn't pick Joe Biden because Joe Biden is some political superstar. Even before his mind melted into pudding, Joe Biden is a crappy politician. And I'm saying that I'm not just trying to be mean to the guy. I understand. I acknowledge Democrats who are very good politicians. Joe Biden is not one. He was a no-name backbench senator from Delaware forever. And then Barack Obama starts running for office. And really, he was kind of shocked about it, too. Ends up being the nominee. And he's all, oh, let's see. I've been in the Senate for about five seconds. So I have no foreign policy experience whatsoever. I'm worried the American people won't want a black dude. I need someone with foreign policy experience. And I need somebody white. And what? who's out there? What, Joe Biden? He'll agree to anything. I'll just promise him a new puppy or something. And Joe Biden agrees to the whole thing. Vice presidents, they fill in gaps presidents think they have. Joe Biden needs Michigan to win the next election. He does. He's polling well in Michigan. Doesn't hurt to bring in the governor of Michigan. But here's his issue. The governor of Michigan is stoking some serious, serious anger there. It's one thing to lock down your state. I don't agree with it, but polls show that a lot of people do agree with it. But she's taken things too far. When you start slapping, you know, not for sale signs on gardening seeds, people are going to be upset about that sort of thing.
People are getting upset about that sort of thing. And then she's doing this thing that governors, mayors, presidents sometimes tend to do when the public kicks back, when the public pushes back, instead of backing off, they get this feeling of pride of, you can't buck my authority. And she's been doubling down. She's pretty much been threatening people. No, you keep this up. I'm going to keep you locked down. I'll, I'll, I'll keep you locked down. Don't push me, which is obviously rubbing people the wrong way. So she's got some protesters. And, uh, well, I guess they're not in the worst mood in the world. All right, I just want to go. I, I want to go. I'll see you Monday. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.